coming up on the Season 4 return of the Smitty and Mitty Show. We recap the top five things that happened over the Christmas holidays, and we'll be joined by Manny Pava to talk about the biggest trade at the OHL trade deadline. And now... Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? Start your engines! 90% of the time, I have no idea what I'm talking about. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. The show that's got everyone saying... You're so dumb, for real. With Smitty. What you just said is one of the most idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. And Mitty. I've been in this business 15 years. What's your name? you. That's my name. This is the Smitty Mini Show. Welcome inside. It is my pleasure to welcome you back to the Smitty and Mitty Show for yet another season. Do we call them seasons? I don't know if we've ever called them seasons. But uh, either way, seasons. they're seasons. Sure. Either way, Tyler Middleton, Noah Smith, happy to join you again. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas as we missed that. And we are here to bring you an hour's worth of sports talk once again for the, uh, the foreseen future, for as long as I can see into the future. We will be here to give you a little bit more. Mr. Smith, how are you? Actually, before we do that, got to get back into the groove here and thank our sponsors. <laughs> Dave Middleton, Sunlight Financial, Life is Brighter, Under the Sun, Gold Line Curling. The Choice of Champions, also the host of the 2022 Ontario Tanker and Scotties happening, not as you're listening now, not the weekend after, but starting that week after that will be when you can go down to the Port Elgin Plex and check out the best Ontario curling there is. The men's and women's side will be resigning in Sogging Shores, and we will have at least a guest next week to talk about that. We might even have a full packed show of curlers coming up next week so we will let you know about that but mr smith i will welcome you now how are you merry christmas how was your christmas how was your new year's 74 seconds by the way that's how long you went before i got a word in here in season uh four of this that's not true season you went, three? You went I, I laughed yeah, a little uh, bit. yeah exactly okay. Okay. they heard you yeah that's all i just all i get to do anyway so good man how are you doing it is you knew you knew exactly what you were doing when you said take it away before we started recording you knew exactly what you were doing. No, I know. I I will admit to it. I will uh, I will leave that one up to you. Uh, it is good to be back. Sometimes uh, those three weeks go by and they feel like six weeks or seven weeks without recording. And now we have to get ourselves back into the swing of things and uh, in, in quick fashion because we've got a whole lot of stuff to talk about. I had a major that happen. I had a major panic attack last week because my mother, who of course works for baseball broadcasting, surprise, surprise. And she sent me a text saying, who's on the show this week? And I was like, nobody, we're off until next week. She goes, oh, the, your email says you're back this week. So I had to text you and be like, are we supposed to be back this week? No guess. We don't have a show. Like, what are we supposed to do? But she was wrong. She was wrong. Yes, we were. We're right. Uh, back this week. We're not even back on the TV yet. That's still another week away. So uh, we're easing our way into 2023, getting ourselves plenty of time to get ourselves back into the swing of things. And I'm excited. We got uh, a whole lot of stuff that goes on. Listen, we can take a week off between shows like we normally do and stuff happens when you take three. We're going to spend an hour today going over everything that happened while we were gone. So there will be a guest, hopefully joining us here in segment three to talk about a major move in the OHL, a whole lot of moves happening in the OHL with the trade deadline coming and going, but one of the prized possessions uh, being moved to the Windsor Spitfires. So we will talk about that coming up, hopefully in segment three. And I think this is what I want to do. Let's just see if you're okay with it. Okay. I just want to pick the top five things we missed and just spend some time talking about the top five things we've missed since we stopped doing shows. Because like you said, there's a lot and we could have picked anything. And I think we will be able to narrow it down to five things exactly. Yeah, I love when you ask me if I'm okay with it as if we didn't already plan this because we're good radio hosts. Like this is already like done. We've planned the it. People, so we the people didn't need to know that. The people, they know, man, it's radio. <laughs> you don't just come on. Okay, that's a lie. Sometimes we come on here and that, we don't have a yeah. plan. That is real shows. Different. Real shows don't come on and do that. But yes, we have done real, it more. Than real that. professionals that the mediocre sports talk show hosts, they come on without a plan sometimes. And you know what? I can't tell the difference. So I'm just going to roll with it here. Uh, yeah. Five things that we missed. 
uh, we'll get, it's not going to be in any order. Like, let's not put it that way. It's not the least important to the most important. It's kind of structured a little bit that way based on what we think we're going to talk about the longest, but let's get right into it. We've got probably another 12 minutes left in this segment and let's kind of get into number five okay, on the list, okay. something that we missed. I want you to start with number five. You tell me what your fifth top story was over the time we missed. Okay. Being baseball guys, right? I feel like we're going to talk about baseball once or twice on this list. I don't know what you picked, but we're going to talk about it probably once or twice. Because number five on the list for me is everything that happened with Carlos Correa over the last three and a half weeks, four weeks that we have been gone. Oh, what a nightmare. A, a nightmare, uh, a fiasco. He was on three or four different teams. Like, where was he going to go? Was he going to have a team to play for when he came back? Like, that was a legitimate question I had. Is he going to play anywhere? Is he going to fail physicals in every city in the major leagues? Because he got to 10% of them. So originally, I mean, Carlos Correa is already kind of an outcast in the first place, right? He's part of those cheating Astros. There aren't a lot of teams that really want him to start with. And then all of a sudden, I mean, he signs his massive deal he agrees to a massive deal i think san francisco was the first team he signed with right and i think it was mm-hmm. in the ballpark of like 315 over like 13 years 350 over 13 years something like that massive deal yeah just huge and when you give anyone a 13-year deal you can't really be expecting them to play all 13 years can you like like you're just signing them basically you're saying i'm signing you for the rest of your career however long that is yeah basically if, if 13 is what it takes to get you for seven then i guess that's what we're paying for and that's and what on- they did so on the day, the absolute day they were supposed to announce the signing of Carlos Correa to the San Francisco Giants, the Giants back out because he failed a physical. And, and the world's shocked. The world has absolutely no idea what's going on. And then hours later, and I'm talking like two hours later, Steve Cohen and those mighty Mets, who, by the way, I think have a higher payroll right now than the bottom six teams combined. Yeah, something it like might that. Even be more than that. It's it's like a good chunk of the league. They're they're approaching like billions of dollars. They've given out more than a billion dollars this offseason. Absolutely crazy. So the Mets sweep in, and I think it was like a little bit less. They went to 12 years and 310, 312, 315, something like that. It was somewhere in that middle. But just immediately, how dumb could you be to immediately give a guy almost the same amount of money he just had? When he just failed a physical. And listen, this is something that I saw a lot online is people surprised about a physical. That's routine in pro sports. Every contract. Every contract, Major League Baseball, NHL, NFL, NBA, they all do physicals. What's a little bit less rare is failing a physical. Guys don't often fail physicals. And for him to do it not once, and we'll get to it, but twice now with the Mets, it's shocking. Because why, if you're the Mets, do you see a guy fail a physical? And then, like you said, hours later, you're throwing out almost the same amount of chunk of change at him. And I think it's worth saying that it's not like the Giants hum and hawed, should we keep him? Should we let him go? This might be a problem. It might not. No, they cut him hours before they were supposed to do a press conference. Like It was immediate, we're not doing this, let's move on. And then the Mets just jump in and sign this contract. And then with the Mets, it's not like, the Giants, where the Giants just kind of backed out and said, we're done, move on, we're not doing this. It comes out, it's something to do with his ankle, I think, that he, like it, it, it could turn into like a season or if a career-ending kind of thing, like it, a bad, bad injury. But the Mets take like weeks, and in negotiations, they try to lower their deal, they try to lower the number, the years, they try to make anything work, so Steve Cohen just comes out with the player he wants and not looking like an idiot. And then all of a sudden, Correa fails again, and is a free agent. And here we are now. He's a free agent again. He has moved on from, keep in mind, so he was with the Astros, longtime Astro, part of the cheating Astros. One-year deal, I believe it was, in Minnesota, just kind of like a, a rental-type thing. Let's see if you can boost your value a little bit before you go to free agency again. Uh, twins were fine with that. Giants thing happens. Mets thing happens. Now you're still a free agent. Who wants to take you at this point? Because obviously, yes, you can offer him the money. You can go through your own physical, see if you're finding what everybody else is finding. But he lands back with the Twins, right? It's just a whole merry-go-round. You get back off on the stop that you got on. And the Twins, I guess, were happy enough with what they've seen. They probably knew about this before. They said he's had a little bit of ankle issues. We knew about that when he was becoming a free agent, but we still would have took him. 
So they come back, I think, what was it final? Like uh, $200 million or something like that, over six maybe. Um, so a, a lot lower deal than what the other two were. Still a crap ton of money. I think it's like the uh, Twins' highest contract that they've ever dished out. I was reading an article and there seems to be a lot of backouts for the team. A lot of, if you don't play this many this year, then, you know, your pay goes down. Like it, as, you, as you would expect. Yeah. Obviously that's the deal that was going to have to be signed. So why could Crea not have made that work with the Mets, a team that's going to contend versus having to make it work with the Twinkies, a team that has been kind of just sitting in purgatory for the last couple of years, not bad, not good, just there can't beat the Yankees in the playoffs. And he goes back there rather than, you know, why not sign a five-year deal at 175 and for the Mets? Would they even have done that? Who knows? The Mets must have seen something in that physical and that I think it was the right ankle that they really did not like going forward. If Steve Cohen looks at your physical and says, I'm not giving out this money, when he will just write a check to somebody walking down the street for a million dollars. It's got to be bad. There's got to be something wrong. It's got to be something. But anyways, so Carlos Correa ends up with the same team that he played with last year in Minnesota with the Twins, $200 million a year. So over the course of, like I said, pretty much the time we were on break, Carlos Correa signs close to um, $865 million worth of contracts for a combined 31 years. And he ends up back with the Twins. Fiasco is how I like to call it. And it was crazy to follow. So number four, we're ready to move on. How much time ready we to move on? What do we got? Uh, we got about we got five minutes or so, but I think I'm, I think I'm done with Carlos. So uh, I've got my listen. Last thing on Carlos, if I'm the Jays, I'm happy they stayed away. If they were ever in on him, which I don't think they were, glad they stayed away. Uh, it doesn't make any sense for the Jays, but I'm sure we'll get to the Jays here in just a little bit. So five minutes to talk about one of the biggest, the biggest, because number four for me is just the NFL playoffs starting this weekend. The whole thing, the whole lead up to playoff weekend, the teams that didn't go, that made it, that didn't make it. And I was going to run over a whole bunch of these matchups really quick, but I do want to talk about one thing. I don't know if I want to talk about that, right? Okay. Okay. Let's talk about it. Derek Carr gets told by the Raiders. Basically you're sitting out the last two weeks. We're not going to play you because we don't want you to get hurt. We're going to trade you. Does that seem like incredibly disrespectful for a team that's that he's been on for what nine years? Mm-hmm. A team that drafted him that he wanted to be on, that that was his childhood dream team to play for. And now they're basically saying, We don't want you. And by the way, we don't have a quarterback coming in behind you. There's there's nobody that's gonna play better behind you. It's just we're done with you, we're tired of you. It's an all-time uh I'll call it an all-time loser move. Like, why? It just doesn't make any sense to anybody that is involved. So now Carr's sitting there and he's he's ticked off, right? This happened at the very back end of his career with the Raiders. And now the Raiders are sitting here, not getting good publicity because of it. Right? Things don't look good for them. They're not getting uh, nice comments on their social media posts. So it didn't really work out for them in that favor. And also for the last two games, like, what are you going to do? Right? You kind of just hang yourself out to dry. Not that there was anything to do, but... And don't forget, too, Devontae Adams is really good friends with Derek Carr. That's the reason that he came to Oakland in the first place. And he was vocal about how upset he was with the organization. And now he wants to be a vocal part on the next quarterback moving in if he's going to stick around. And that's a big if. So you could not only lose a, a pretty good quarterback. Like, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer by any means, but he is a more than decent quarterback in the NFL. And you might also li- li- lose one of the best receivers in the NFL as well, just because of your incompetence. Exactly. So you now make a move that um, not only upsets one person, and and it upsets another person who, don't kid yourself, I'm sure he's not the only one in the room that's upset with the move. right? Those guys out there want to compete just as much every single week, whether or not it means anything. He's also just a very likable guy. I mean, he was, after week like five, he was sitting there crying into into the microphones because... He was so upset with his performance and the fact that the team, he was letting the team down and he was just that emotional. He's, he's a likable guy and all things say he's likable within a dressing room. That's, that's just a way to get a team to turn on you. Let's quickly, I know we're running out of time really quick. I'm going to run over these week, this weekend's uh, playoff games. And I just want you to give me a winner, just a quick winner, winner, loser Seahawks, 49ers, 49ers, Chargers, Jags. Jags are at home, right? 
I like the Jags. Dolphins, Bills. Oh, that should be a route in Buffalo. It depends who plays because obviously, if Skylar Thompson is the one that plays, sure, uh, yeah, gross. And if Teddy Bridgewater is the one that plays, a little bit better, a little bit more competitive. If somehow Tua can come back from his third concussion in eight weeks and play, <laughs> I think they, ru- they, they rule them out. So, okay, good because yeah. there's no way he should be on that. I team. think that came in on Wednesday. They ruled sorry, him, sorry. So. Two concussions and a back injury. My apologies. Yes, the back injury doesn't count as a concussion. Giants-Vikings. Vikings. Vikings, by the way, end up with 14 wins with a minus three-point differential. They gave up more points mm-hmm. than they scored, and they still have the tight wins. wins. Ravens-Bangles. Uh, Bangles. Cowboys-Bucks. Bucks. So I think I only differ a couple here from you. Well, I like the Chargers. I like the Chargers. I like the Giants over the Vikings. The Vikings are just a very flawed team. Like we said, minus minus like, three differential. Yeah. A very, very, very flawed football. And they haven't looked very good. And they were winning. It was tight. You know what? I'm going to take the Cowboys over the Bucks. I think Tom Brady has looked abysmal this year. And on top of that, the other reason they even made the playoffs is because that division was horrific. Mm-hmm. And they could they could make it just hovering around 500 and make the playoffs. And I, I, you know what? I think the Cowboys are not that bad. I think the Cowboys are pretty good. I don't mind those. I think the Cowboys will compete. If the if the Bucs lose, is Tom Brady done? Or is he just going to say he's done? I think he's done in Tampa. I think no matter what, he's done in Tampa. I think he will play again. I think you're going to see him somewhere like San Francisco and maybe even Las right. Vegas. He's a single man. Yeah, he's got Move no to Vegas. Back. He's got no white fooling them back. So Exactly. And even Miami could be a place since Tua can't stay healthy and those other quarterbacks are just... Uh, not NFL caliber for starters. <laughs> Jump across the state, he's fine. <laughs> and, and don't forget that Miami had already got in trouble for tampering trying to sign Tom Brady. So I don't think he's going to be in, with the box, but he will play because what else is he going to do? Yeah, he's got tons of free time now. So, so we got through two. We got, we through, got through two. We got through two before we have to hit our first radio commercial break. So you are listening to the Smitty and Mitty Show across the TSMS radio network. Finances change as life changes, like when you get married or start a new job or welcome a new member to your family. Each one of them comes with their own unique financial challenge, and I'm here to help you make sense of them and keep you on the path to your financial goals. I'm Dave Middleton, your Sun Life Advisor. Send me an email to dave.middleton at sunlife.com. I'm here to help navigate life's changes. Goldline is proud to be a sponsor of the Port Elgin Chrysler 2023 Ontario Tankard and Scotties, presented by Bruce Power, coming to Saugeen Shores January 23rd to the 29th. When you're ready to curl like a pro, shop Goldline, the choice of champions. This is the Smitty and Mitty Show. Welcome back to the Smitty and Mitty Show here on the TSMS Radio Network and the Smitty and Mitty Show podcast. Segment two on the show, we are continuing with our kind of top five things that we missed over the Christmas and New Year's holidays. We've been off for three weeks. Uh, We went through NFL playoffs. We went through, what was number five? I forget already. It's been like 10 minutes. Carlos Correa. Carlos Correa, because we spent a dozen minutes on that. Uh, So you want to get into number three? You want to start us off here with number three? Is it you or me number three? I, I think remember. you're number three. Who did number four? I did. It was the playoffs, right? Okay, number three. 2022-2023, I think it's called the 2023 World Junior Championship Tournament. Out East, heave away in Halifax. Canada wins the gold medal. Thanks in part to, uh, can I call it the best hands-down World Junior show of all time in Connor Pagar? Okay. So a lot of things, I think, to talk about the World Juniors, but we got to be quick, so we're going to skip over a lot of things. First of all, Canada needs to fix their goaltending. Milic looked pretty good, solid after, but no way did he steal a game, and he still let in some pretty soft goals. And the skill of that Canadian team was able to outwork their goaltending. So Canada needs to work on goaltending if they want to compete in these tournaments consistently like they used to. Uh Congratulations to Czechia, having an historic run to the finals, beating Canada in the first game with some of that horrible goaltending. Congratulations to them. Congratulations to the United States losing to Canada once again, which is always a nice rivalry game. 
and congratulations, obviously, to Connor Bedard. Holy cow, what a world junior is. I mean, do you just want me to run over some of these things that he said? Give me the basics. Give me the basics. Because I got him down here. Bedard, uh, he had, first of all, he left the WHL on December 4th. Came back, still leading with 64 points. He missed however many games, a month worth of time. Yeah, quick and touch on that. Quick, quick touch on that. His first game back, he just put up a casual six points. Yeah. So, yeah, he's he's a special guy, and and let alone in at after the gold medal game, after the golden goal, uh, reporter comes over to talk to him, and he says he's not talking about himself. It's not about him. It's about the team right now. That guy just has so much. Um, he's so grown up for his age. He's still wearing a cage and, and doing things like that could have easily been captain of that team. It looked like, but uh, 23 points at the world junior sets Canada's all time record. He set it in both goals and assists passing Lindros for the most points at a world juniors with uh, at like combined world juniors, 32 points. He did it in 14 games, Lindros 21 games. So we're looking at a, what an eight game difference there. If my math is done correctly. Uh, um, he passes Jordan Eberle with 14 single goals. He also uh, had the most points in a single tournament with 19, passing uh, Dale McCourt and Breen Shen with, you know, 19. So those are some pretty big names that he's passing. I think Connor Bedard looks, I mean, certainly this isn't a hot take. He looks like a generational talent right now. For sure. And I mean, you look at uh, past guys that have come through the league. Uh, come through Canada, the CHL in particular, and he's already got that uh, that wow factor, right? And we're going to talk a little bit later on about the Shane Wright trade to Windsor when Manny Pava joins us on the show, but he got a full junior experience and is getting a full junior experience, and you can really tell how far and away better he is than these players. And by the way, not close. still eligible to come back next year. He yeah. probably won't because he's going to be a first overall pick and he's going to stick with the NHL team more than likely, but still eligible to make a return to the World Juniors next year and just pad those stats. Like, where could he even get to? Yeah. He could get to a point where nobody can surpass him. Sure. And to be honest with you, it might totally depend on where he goes, right? If he goes to a team that is out of it by Christmas, you might see him, right? They might let him go. So if he does, like, no one's breaking that record. No one's going to come close to touching it. Fantastic tournament for Connor Bedard. And as we mentioned, Canada winning gold, back-to-back gold medals at the World Juniors. And we send our congratulations to all those young men. Number, But congratulations to Andy Brown, who is yes. the athletic therapist, the onset attack, bringing home the gold medal. Uh, I was texting with him earlier. Going to try and hopefully maybe get to talk to him on the show. I don't want to bug him too much because he's been doing a lot of traveling, celebrating with the team. But I did get a picture of the gold medal and uh, it looks pretty impressive. So congratulations to Brownie. Well-deserved. One of the best guys um, I've ever met. And he's been on the show before. Okay. So let's move on. I had number two being the world juniors, but you took number two being the world juniors. So I'm going to fall back to number two being the Toronto blue Jays and all of their moves over this uh, what fall winter time. So additions to the Toronto Blue Jays so far, Chris Bassett, Brian Belt, signing a one-year $9.8, I believe, million-dollar deal. Kevin Kermeyer uh, has been added as well. Uh, Basho came over in a trade. We'll talk about that trade here really quick. Swanson and Thompson as well, brother of Clay, moving to the Toronto Blue Jays. They have lost so far. Lotus Goriel, Teoscar Hernandez, Ross Stripling, Brandon Phelps, Ramel Tapia, Jordan Merriweather, possibly on waivers right now, JBJ, and Brandon. Zimmer, how do you grade this offseason so far? Um, love the great questions. Uh, you love the great questions here on this mini mini show. Always a good test of how someone is paying attention. I want to put them in the A range because I feel like it has been a good offseason. I like some of the moves they made, but I also feel like it still could have been a lot better. Is B plus or B plus plus a fair grade for the Blue Jays offseason so far? Gave up a lot of big pieces. But I'm excited about the possibilities of guys like Varsha, right? Like I've heard nothing but good things about him. So I give it a good, I think a B plus plus is a great grade, but I'm hesitant to put them in the A's because I know that they did give up some pieces that uh, had proven themselves to be good bats in the major leagues. Yeah, I'm sitting in like the B minus range. Okay. I am 
slightly concerned and I'm interested. I'm more interested to see how this lineup looks. I think they've traded away a lot of good hitting talent and replaced it with defensive talent. Basho is not, he showed some power in the recent years, showed some hitting ability, but he is, he could hit 30 in Toronto, but he is a defensive player. That's what he's here for. He is a, uh, a very good defensive outfielder. And when you put him with Kermeyer and Springer, that outfield balls might never drop. It seems like they made these trades thinking they need left-handed bats and kind of settling for left-handed bats. I mean, Brandon Bell coming in on a one-year $9 million deal, he had like three home runs last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, granted, his 2021 season was really good, but he's getting older. He's left-handed bat. He plays first base. What's he going to do? Are you just going to simply flip DH, Brandon Belt, and, and, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? Is Brandon Belt only going to pay against righties? And if he only plays against righties, which, by the way, Basho struggles mightily against lefties, but if Brandon Belt's only going to play against righties, then who's going to DH there? Why give him $9 million to I, play I, I agree that's a high, percent of the games? That's a high number for Brandon Belt. I will agree. But he comes in here, and I think, by the way, I think he's your fourth outfielder. Um, but we'll still get a good When's chunk. When's the last of time he played outfield? Sorry, what did I say? You say he's your fourth outfielder. Sorry, DH. He's going to DH. Right, what am I talking about? I don't know. I don't think he's going to play very good outfield. <laughs> he might not. He might be okay. He's lanky. Uh, he brings to the team uh, experience, right? Two world championships with San Francisco. Uh, knows how to win a little bit older in his career is fine with not playing as much in order to maybe mentor some young guys on the Toronto Blue Jays and can fill in when he needs to, right? He'll still get into 65, 70% of the games. I would think like, I still think he gets into a good chunk of the ball games. That's, still, that's a huge amount high. of money for a guy that's going to play that you're talking about a 70% split. That's a lot of money. Sure. Am but I yeah. worried about the money? I mean, no, it's not my money, but what it is. But when it takes a Rogers home plan, that's true. When it takes away from what you're going to give to other guys, because to me that the back end of the bullpen still needs one more piece. And Liam Hendricks, unfortunately, was, you know, rumored to be part possibly going to the Blue Jays. Now he has um, it's been he has. uh, uh, Lymphoma, I believe, on Hopkins. Uh, He's going through treatment, which I mean, best to him. I hope he gets better. Some things are bigger than baseball. But you still need some help in the back end of this bullpen. And you definitely, definitely, I think, need a left-handed starter. Are you going to rely on Hunjin Ryu coming back halfway through the year? Or Yosei Kikuchi being your left-handed starter in that rotation? I think they solved all their problems by signing former Jay Drew Hutchinson. Oh. Right? I think that just it brings... Sorry, I didn't, I, didn't see, I didn't see that one. My apologies. A+. Yeah. Plus. 30, 30, 32-year-old Drew Hutchinson <laughs> is going to come in here and he's going to wipe out the competition. So Who barely played for the Detroit Tigers last year? Yes. So problem solved, right? Problem solved. That it still isn't left-handed. A plus. A plus. So there are still some things to me to work on for the Toronto Blue Jays. But I think, what, what do we got for time? Give me a time update here. Uh, probably time to round this one up. Yeah, we're going to move on. If I'm going to move on. So number one, we both came to a consensus what it has to be. And it's going to bring the show down a bit, but it was a huge topic over uh, the winter, over our break. And of course, somewhat recently too. So yes, a very somber moment uh, when DeMar Hamlin from the Buffalo Bills was hit by T Higgins. Um, He kind of stood up, stumbled, fell down, went into cardiac arrest. CPR was performed on the field. I mean, I'm sure everyone's heard this already. He lost uh, his heartbeat twice, took almost 10 minutes to get it back, ended up in a, in a coma, in a hospital. And I don't know about you, but I was pretty resigned to the fact that DeMar Hamlin's life was probably going to slip away from him. That, that was a horrific and terrifying injury. Uh, this happened in tandem with the gold medal goal for the World Juniors. Like, they happened within minutes of one another. Uh, so a lot of us here in Canada were watching the World Juniors, saw the goal, elated, ecstatic, right? And then you go on your phone, go on Twitter, and the other half of Twitter is talking about how this football game can't be played, right? They have to get guys off the field. You're wondering what's going on. And probably one of the scariest, if not the scariest moments that a lot of us younger sports fans have ever seen, and maybe even some older fans. It was scary. There was a time and a good chunk of time when 
you were pretty sure he wasn't going to make it. And that's scary. That's scary to watch on live TV. Never, never mind having the broadcast, having the leg on for an hour while they just sat there in limbo. What a nightmare. But the good news coming as we record this and uh, this past week that everything looking okay was transferred back to Buffalo, spent a little bit of time in the hospital in Buffalo, and now has been released to go back home. So fingers crossed everything is going to be okay for DeMar Hamlin going forward. It's, it's, it's great to see. This, this might just be a soft thing to say, but I don't think I, I understood how much it affected me. And it's not about me by any means, but I don't think I understood how much it affected me until the next day. People talked about it. I cried the next day. I fully admit that when I heard radio shows talking about it, I heard, saw videos of his family. Um, I saw videos of Josh Allen crying and the rest of the bills, you know, Stefan Diggs not being able to even to look at the field, just staring straight at the air, people praying. It, it just, it, it affected me in, in a way I didn't expect it to. And I wasn't even at the game. Imagine somebody at the game, or I wasn't even on the bills. Imagine somebody on that field. I wasn't one of the ones performing CPR. Imagine one of those amazing medical staff and first responders who are able to bring it back to life on the field. It's a traumatic event for a lot of people and not, I'm the, the least, but I don't think, I, I think I underestimated how much it would affect everybody and not just the people because we're used to it right we're used to it in football we see the ambulance come out we see the stretcher come out it happens all the time and it's like you get that thumbs up you get that i'm okay and the, the game moves on you might get some people some players who are a bit shook but the game moves on and this was just different from the start it obviously was joe buck you could hear his voice he brings them back and he, he brings back from commercial and he just the emotion he says we're having some problems here. They're performing CPR in the field. We're going to go back to break, not knowing what to say. These videos of his teammates huddling around him out of respect. So people and cameras could not see what was happening on that field. What, what a man fighting for his life, but the players couldn't stand to watch it. They were turned away. They were hugging each other. These grown 300 pound men who for a living bang into each other, go head to head, some of the, the most gruesome injuries you will ever see happen on that football field. And they could not stand to even be in the area of what was happening. It was, it was terrible. It was that game never could have been played. The NFL, I think actually did a fairly good job to cancel the game, even though it took a while, but they were going over what they had to do. Well, and then you got to keep in mind, this is a situation that the NFL has not been in. Right, you can't expect someone to act as quickly as we look back in hindsight, because they haven't done this before. And let like alone waiting, Hamlin was on the field for how long? Right, you can't cancel him while he's on the field. Right, you got to wait. Yeah, you let wait alone it's week gone. seventeen. Right, like uh, it's right. it's tough to look at, but it's week seventeen. Yeah. You don't it's have ter- a whole lot. As of terrible room. that as terrible as that is to say, right? That is in the back of everyone's heads. You some can't. People is, some people is in the front of their heads. You right? couldn't just make a as the commissioner of the league, you couldn't just make a, a decision to cancel that game without thinking through what it meant for the rest of the NFL. Everyone understood that game couldn't have been played. There was no player that was going to go back on that field. And I think Sean McDermott and Zach Taylor did an amazing job as well as leaders and coaches of that team, of those teams coming together and understanding that there was nobody on that field that was with Joe Burrow was throwing a football, getting ready to play again. As, as we possibly you know, rumors are that the, the teams were told they got five minutes to get ready. Joe Burrow was getting ready. And you got Buffalo Bills players who are praying. Stephon Diggs was screaming at the team, trying to get them going again. And as soon as he was done screaming, everyone just sat back down and stared into the, into the abyss. They, they were not playing that football game. And I think the NFL, the teams, did a good job at handling this, realizing that even being back to that field to play that game would be traumatic for these players right now. And possibly we're looking at a neutral field if the Bills and Bengals end up playing in the second round. So hats off once again to the Bills and Bengals medical staff, the UC medical staff, uh, who once again have done a fantastic job at, uh, who, at saved a man's life. who saved a 23 year old man's yeah, life. They, they did. They really did. Um, and now he is, like I said, back at his home resting. And uh, if all goes well, We'll play football again if he wants to. So it it couldn't have ended better for how scary it was. 
anyways, that basically does it for this segment. We kind of topped off with the five things that we missed over the Christmas holidays. And now let's get into some new stuff. We have an interview coming up on the other side of the break. Manny, uh, Manny Pava will join us to talk a little bit about the Shane Wright deal to Windsor, what it means for the Windsor Spitfires, who is going to be the top team in the OHL, and it all comes up right after this. Goldline is proud to be a sponsor of the Port Elgin Chrysler 2023 Ontario Tankard and Scotties, presented by Bruce Power, coming to Saugeen Shores January 23rd to the 29th. When you're ready to curl like a pro, shop Goldline, the choice of champions. Finances change as life changes, like when you get married or start a new job or welcome a new member to your family. Each one of them comes with their own unique financial challenge. And I'm here to help you make sense of them and keep you on the path to your financial goals. I'm Dave Middleton, your Sun Life Advisor. Send me an email to dave.middleton at sunlife.com. I'm here to help navigate life's changes. You're listening to The Smitty and Mitty Show. Welcome back to the Smitty and Mitty Show, another segment here on the TSMS Radio Network. Manny Pava joining us now all the way from Windsor, the border city. We were just talking before we came on, Manny, about the beautiful new bridge going on. It is probably the second most looked forward to thing that is now coming to Windsor because a big trade over the last week, Mr. Shane Wright is coming to Windsor. Manny, how are you doing? I'm good. And uh, if Shane Wright delivers another championship, they may change the name from the Gordie Howe International Bridge to the Shane Wright International Bridge. So we'll see what happens. The standards are low, I guess, on the bridge naming. <laughs> <laughs> All you have to do is show up for a couple of months <laughs> and move on. So here, let's just quickly go over what the trade was, because obviously Shane Wright and Kingston's 14th in 2023, I think, is coming back. I, I left it at 2002. There you go. Uh, and then two players heading back. The other way, including one, two, three, four, five, five picks and two conditionals, something like that. Yeah. Um, so massive deal. Yeah. So for um, to, to make it easy, it's uh, Shane Wright in a late round pick for two players, for one player, a prospect and seven draft picks. And that's what Windsor gave up. But I tell you what, guys, seeing some of the other deals in the Ontario Hockey League, uh, I think Windsor did a very good job here in getting the deal done without giving away any rookie as part of the deal. Ethan Miedema is a very good player. You are going to hear his name called in the NHL draft this summer. Somebody's going to take Ethan Miedema in the draft. He's a big kid, six foot four, 200 pounds with skill. Um, but he's no Shane Wright. And he wasn't going to put the Windsor Spitfires over the top in this year's run to the playoff and the run to the OHL final and the Memorial Cup. Ethan Miedema may be able to do that next year, but this year, Windsor pushing all their chips into the table with a chance to get Shane Wright, and the price was Ethan Miedema. The other kid is Gavin McCarthy. He is a defenseman from Buffalo, New York, 17-year-old playing in the USHL, very skilled defenseman. He's about 6'1", 190 pounds. Uh, and some people believe his name will also get called in the NHL draft. And some believe that the Kingston Frontenacs will be able to convince him to come to the OHL using some leverage from the NHL team, whoever drafts him in the upcoming NHL draft. But when you saw P Pavel Minchikov, for example, get traded from Saginaw to the Ottawa 67s, Saginaw gave up, or Ottawa, excuse me, gave up nine draft picks, including three second rounders. Windsor only gave one second rounder for Shane Wright and didn't give up any of their rookie players who I think have been phenomenal for the Spitfires this season in Anthony Cristoforo, Liam Greentree, AJ Spellacy, as well as Noah Mono. I actually, I wanted to go there and, and you took me there faster than, than probably anticipated, but I was talking with one of the OHL officials the other day, just drive with them to a hockey game. And, and we were flabbergasted with the amount of picks that are going back and forth in the OHL. Every trade seems to involve five, six picks at least. And he seemed to be concerned and I'm a bit concerned with it too. It seems like teams are 
even the winter did a really good job of trading picks that actually weren't theirs, but it seems like teams are, you know, mortgaging the future for one year and, and mortgaging the future in a significant way. Is it a problem? Should people be concerned with all these picks? People should definitely be concerned about this picks because some teams are trading picks that are basically 10, 11 year olds right now. That's how far down the road some of these picks are being dealt uh, by these OHL teams. But some of the OHL managers that have I, I've talked to say nowadays it's very easy to recoup those picks. Look at all the picks that got traded this year. Next year, you might be able to sell somebody for the exact same number of picks that you just gave away. I still think it's an issue. I'll give you another thing that bothers me a lot, guys. Last Saturday, when Sarnia and Mississauga and Peterborough and Ottawa and Hamilton were trading away a number of players, not only were 11 picks traded in that one day, but 12 players changed addresses in that one day. And I think that is an issue because we're talking about 16, 17, 18, 19, 20-year-olds teenagers who have to change addresses, change homes, move from a community, get out of, move into a new high school in some cases, and you're a teenager. It's not an easy thing to do. So that is an issue for me. Granted, I will say one positive thing about the OHL rules, I'm glad they don't allow teams to trade first rounders like we saw in the WHL, because we saw two players get traded uh, in that deal between Kamloops and Everett. Two players got traded for four players, 10 draft picks, including four first rounders. You talk about mortgaging the future. That's, that's, you're mortgaging the future of three homes and the future of your families by doing that. So I want to talk to you about, and I don't know how much information you have on this with the spits and this trade, but uh, for people watching, obviously try not to look too much into uh, what's going on on the Twitters and the social medias in terms of these trades. But it seems like Windsor was kind of a late joiner to the party, if you will. There was no talk about Windsor until probably the final two days before the Shane Wright trade. Was Windsor in conversation early or was it a little bit later on where they figured, hey, we might actually have a shot at Shane Ryan and maybe this is a deal that we can make? If you talk to GM Bill Bowler of the Windsor Spitfires, he says uh, that he was he let known to the Kingston Frontenacs and Shane Wright's advisors that they would be interested in move back in December when there was a rumor that he would be sent back to the OHL after the World Juniors. I think the reason you didn't hear Windsor's uh, name in the initial conversations around Shane Wright is because some people thought the price would be too high and out of Windsor's range. Uh, the London Knights, uh, we all know that they like to wheel, the, wheel and deal and they had plenty of picks and very good young prospects. The Ottawa 67s have a cupboard full of picks so did the Peterborough Peets, and some people thought the Barry Colts might have an inside track because of Brant Clark coming back. And I mentioned the Peets, Brendan Othman, Shane Wright's good friend, got traded to the Peets earlier. So people were trying to put things together and thought that those teams had so much in the cupboard with young players and picks that they were the front runners. And I think that's why you didn't hear Windsor's name in the initial discussions. Uh, so Shane Wright has been kind of uh, played around a little bit in the past year uh, after being, you know, expected to go first overall, dropping in the NHL draft, then making his debut with the Seattle Kraken, getting sent down on a conditioning stint back up to the World Juniors, now back to the OHL, getting traded. Is that a concern at all to you? It's not a concern for me. Um, it's been a whirlwind of a season for him already, uh, without a doubt. The one thing that was really evident in Tuesday's news conference in Windsor when Shane Wright was introduced to the media and the fans in Windsor is that he's looking to get better and he's looking to win. Um, and two things stand out for me. Um, I think Shane Wright had quite the say in where he was going to land. 
And when he when you look at Windsor, I think it was very inviting for him because he just saw Wyatt Johnston, someone who wasn't on the radar to make the Dallas Stars, not only make the Dallas Stars, but he's played consistently in more than 40 games as a 19-year-old and now is being discussed as Rookie of the Year in the National Hockey League. So if I'm Shane Wright going, wow, I I can't can't get more than five to eight minutes a game in the NHL, yet Wyatt Johnston is being discussed as Rookie of the Year. What's going on in Windsor? Maybe I should go down there and check it out and try and try to help propel my career and get my NHL career going a little bit sooner. And he knows firsthand one way to do that is to win a championship. He's just coming off that gold medal. He's got that taste of winning. And I think that's infectious in him. I think he's hungry for more. Can he do it? It's a great question because three other teams in the Western Conference think they can win. And oh yeah, three other teams in the Eastern Conference also think they can win. I can't remember a time when seven OHL teams have pushed all their chips into the table and say, hey, we got a shot at this. I know that was a conversation going on before the Shane Wright trade is uh, for a lot of teams. How much do you push in right before you realize maybe this is too much in a year that there are four contenders on each side, three contenders for sure on each side. Do you think that this trade really gives the Spitz that chance is Shane Wright the guy that gives the Spitz that chance to not only compete in the West, but come out on top of the West this year? I think it gives them a chance. I, I really do, guys. Um, and it's not because I follow the Spitfires and call some of their games. But uh, I do think uh, it gives Windsor a legitimate shot. And here's why I think that. Before the trade deadline, Windsor was already in first place in their division. Uh, and then they add a Brett Harrison. Then they add a Jacob Holmes. Then they add a Roddy Dionisio from the Swiss World Junior team and Aiden Castle. And then you add a Shane Wright. And you were already in first place and you make these additions. I think it helps them immensely. And oh, yeah, one of their top centers and Ryan Abraham hasn't played since the beginning of November with an injury. When he comes back, it's like adding another player at the trade deadline. Do I think it's going to be easy for them? No. Uh, I think the London Knights are a fantastic team uh, with their huge additions. They already had a strong back end on the blue line. And in goal, we know Brett Brochu is a tremendous goaltender. And London added three key members over the course of the season from the Hamilton Bulldogs, who won the OHL title last year. That has to account. That experience from going to the OHL final and the Memorial Cup, that's huge. And that's going to help the London Knights. I think it'll come down to Windsor and London. I think the Sarnia Sting are another team that made huge moves in getting Ethan Del Mastro from Mississauga. I think that's a huge move for them. Kitchener pushed all in as well, but they're struggling. Um, I will give you the caveat that Kitchener has not had a full lineup since making those deals. They've lost six in a row at the time of our discussion here. When they get those guys back from suspension, from injury, and they can actually have a full lineup, they too will be dangerous, but they have a lot of ground to cover in the second half of the season. Manny Pava, we appreciate you jumping on with us and talking about Shane Wright, the Windsor Spitfire. Some exciting things happening down the Windsor way. Hope you stay safe. Thank you again for joining us on short notice. Thanks for uh, having me on the show, guys. I think it's going to be a fun time, not only for uh, OHL fans, but junior hockey fans in several different markets. Manny Pava joining us here on the Smitty and Mitty Show. We're going to head to break and finish off the show on the other side here on the TSMS Radio Network. Finances change as life changes, like when you get married or start a new job or welcome a new member to your family. Each one of them comes with their own unique financial challenge. And I'm here to help you make sense of them and keep you on the path to your financial goals. I'm Dave Middleton, your Sun Life Advisor. Send me an email to dave.middleton at sunlife.com. I'm here to help navigate life's changes. Goldline is proud to be a sponsor of the Port Elgin Chrysler 2023 Ontario Tankard and Scotties, presented by Bruce Power, coming to Saugeen Shores January 23rd to the 29th. When you're ready to curl like a pro, shop Goldline, the choice of champions. 
Now back to the Smitty and Mitty Show. Smitty Mitty Show. Tyler Middleton, Noah Smith. Thank you to Manny Pava as we are back to wrap up the show. I just wanted to mention, we talked about the top five things uh, that we missed over the break, and I have some honorable mentions. All right. Okay. First of all, you know how much I love the darts, mm-hmm. right? Did you see the almost flawless leg that happened in the World Dart Championship over the Christmas break? I did I think see I sent it, it to you. I, I, yeah, well, you sent it to me. I saw it all over the social medias. Um, and it makes you want to, A, makes us here want to go out into the backyard and start throwing some darts against the shed door. Uh, it also makes you want to go and witness that, experience live darts. I want you to promise me that we will... I want you to promise me we will make it to Alexander Palace for a world championship dart match. I don't care if it's day one when two guys who we don't know are playing. I want to be part of that atmosphere. Yeah, it just looks insane. It's absolutely crazy. And I uh, I kind of lost my train of thought at what even the, the second thing, honorable mention I wanted to have was. So. Okay. Well, we got <laughs> one through the way and we'll, uh, we'll end it off at that. So thank you to Manny Pava for joining us, talking about the OHL, Windsor Spitfires, Shane Wright, heading over in a massive deal at the OHL trade deadline is going to make the Spitfires contenders in the OHL's Western Conference for the playoffs. And uh, thank you to you, Mitty. It's glad. I'm so happy to be back. So good to be back after a three week. Uh, I, it was a vacation. It was so nice, but I'm, I'm happy to be back. I just, I found my thought. Okay. I, the other honorable mention, <laughs> okay. the, Go the, the Savannah Bananas signing Bauer to a deal to compete for them in December this year. So Mr. Power heading to the Savannah Bananas. Could not be a perfect, more perfect place for him to end up. Yeah. It's ticket prices for the bananas through the roof. Holy. Probably. Imagine, imagine he already does stupid things in yeah. a regular game. Imagine stupid things in the major leagues, man. Yeah. Yeah, he's already throwing baseballs over the fence from the mound. Like, imagine what he's going to do when he's allowed to mess around. I think he's got to come out with his first game in a giant drone. Just fly out from the bullpen <laughs> in a giant drone. Fingers isn't that, is that just a helicopter at that point? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I, I prefer giant drone. It's it's uh, it's controlled from the ground, so that makes it a drone, in my opinion. I don't know if you thank the sponsors, but I'll do it yeah, again. Yeah, Dave Middleton. Ahead. Dave Middleton, Sun Life Financial Life is brighter under the sun. Gold Knight Curling, the choice of champions. Host of the 2023 Ontario Tankard. And Scotty's happening in just a couple of weeks. Port of Ontario. Check out online for tickets. We will have more information next week as we have a sponsor day. As I believe we're going to have a couple of uh, a couple gentlemen join us for the Ontario Tanker and Scotty's to talk about that event coming up. So look forward to that next week on the Smitty and Mitty show right here as we are back. Happy 2023 from Noah Smith, Tyler Middleton. You've been listening to the Smitty Mitty show on the TSMS radio network. <laughs>